You're listening to Let There Be Light, a podcast where we shed light on topics in the church today through discussions on history, science, theology, as well as our love for Jesus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Let There Be Light. <laughs> I'm Marn Lenny. And I am Sarah. What up? And today we're talking, it's a book review day, actually. Book review! And we've got a really interesting one, and one that I think, as you were saying, generated a lot of interest. Yeah, we had a lot of comments on our social media um, when I revealed that we were going to be doing a book review episode on Blue Light Jazz. Da, 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 da. Ooh, this book is so interesting. Like, how to describe it? It's it's funny. It's straightforward. It's self-deprecating. And Jesus. it never fails, I think, to remind me of how much I love Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done for me. So welcome to our book review on Blue Light Jazz, Non-Religious Thoughts on Christian Spirituality. By Donald Miller. I think there are a lot of folks that are at least familiar with this title. Like I heard reference to it growing up, but um, I'm not sure how many actually know what this book is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think for me, at least there's this fairly strong movement at, at one point as to why I shouldn't be reading it. Oh, um, probably really reminiscent to this generation not reading The Shack, maybe. Yes, which yeah. I think we should also do a book review on. Oh, well, spoiler alert, Sarah. Spoiler I know, alert. I know. <laughs> That's season five. <laughs> Assuming we make, make it. it that far. Uh, but, you know, I think it was the non-religious and the spirituality part of the title that really, kind of... Really ruffled some feathers. Got yes. people molting. And I've heard opinions on this book ranging from I've read it and I loved it to I haven't read it, but I think it's heretical. <laughs> we'll get into that. Oh, man. Let's go. This book is the author, Donald Millard's collected thoughts on his own journey through becoming a Christian and growing in his faith. And this also is just my review and thoughts on it and then marlene will also have some thoughts so maybe between the two you can get a fairly accurate (laughs) accurate picture um so he steps outside of the popular forms of christianity and seeks to look at it not as a religion but as a true relationship hence the non-religious part Mm -hmm. um and deals with some tensions that we all experience or questions that he struggled with that i think are fairly maybe a fairly common human experience like what is a good god where is a supposedly good God in a very broken and bad and very sad world? Totally. Um, what about the fact that Christianity is used in many American churches as a way to acquire money, power, popularity, or a political platform, mm. especially in today's era, 2020, the year 2020, which is an election year. Mm-hmm. We're getting very close. We're recording this in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book was written a while ago. I want to say 2003. Yes. And... Uh, but it's still incredibly, incredibly timeless. Following Jesus is often per- portrayed as a list of rules and emotionless duty rather than a very real relationship that involves our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls, mm-hmm. and our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, who is God really? Interesting. Uh, should knowing Jesus really change anything about my life or is it simply an add-on in our very comfortable lives? Wow. So those are some questions that he, I don't think answers comprehensively, but looks into and talks about his own struggles and how he's come through his encounters with Christians and the Bible and God throughout his years. So yes, it's very open-ended. He's not, the thing is that's very different about this book is he's not attempting to convince anybody of anything. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of Christian books, I think, are written from this perspective of we have to convince people of our theological stance mm-hmm. or to like Christianity. Mm-hmm. He is not necessarily trying to do that mm-hmm. other than he's just like, here's what I believe Christianity is. Um, and I think he does say it's worth looking into if you're not a believer. <laughs> but this is not, and it's an important point right out of the gate, this is not an, a theology book. Like this is not intended to be a theological treatise or to portray the author's specific theology of Christianity, because I think a lot of people want to take it that way. But why the title? Blue Like Jazz, so vague. I think the author explains it best in his own words, and Marlene's got that quote for us. I never liked jazz music, because jazz music doesn't resolve. Sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. It is as if they're showing you the way. I used to not like God because God didn't resolve. But that was before any of this happened. So let's talk about impact. This book had a huge impact on me when I first started reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I was coming out of one way of thinking. I was I was really growing up. I was probably around 18, 19. I just moved churches. And I was starting to reevaluate. You know, I think as a lot of young Christians do, I was starting to reevaluate a lot of what I thought about the church starting to make observations, starting to realize that there were a lot of things that I did like and a lot of things I didn't like and wondering if, can I say that? Can I think that? Am mm-hmm. I am I crazy here? Um, but this book was incredibly validating and helpful because it helped me start to flesh out some of my own ideas. It's like, it was like a diving board to jumping into the pool of, okay, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not wild here. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. off the deep end. Um It was the first book that I read that was really honest on issues in the American church, which I talk about it all the time now. Like half of this podcast is just like the American church. Yes. Uh, But at the time, I was just starting to pay attention to stuff and I knew I had issues, but I didn't know how to say them. Mm -hmm. And he was the first one that sat that I sat down with and he started to flesh out this idea of the church treats Jesus like a sales pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, The church churches trying to sell themselves at like a marketing ploy. Um, churches being parrots for the Republican Party. Ooh, dang. Um, or the idea, the war metaphor, which is just increasingly relevant to today. This idea that we are at war, as he puts it, with the liberals and the homosexuals. Um, when in... <laughs> Sorry, that's so I know. great. That's so great. Uh, when in truth, right, we're at war with poverty, injustice, hate, Mm. pride, Mm. the powers of darkness. Um, And we're supposed to love those quote unquote liberals or vice versa as more important than ourselves. And so pointing out that hypocrisy and even revealing to me some of the patterns in my own heart that I hadn't even realized were there of ways that I thought of people because I grew up in a very conservative environment. Right. Um, And so I realized I'm not alone. And then the way he talks about loving unbelievers, because I had this pattern of thinking about unbelievers that I think is very common in the church at large. Um, Just seeing people as just like souls to convert or just pits of darkness that are out to get me, you know, kind of like the monster from Stranger Things, Mm, you know, the Demogorgon, the Demogorgon just sitting under the ground waiting to snatch you up. You know what I mean? That's very visceral imagery. (laughs) It is visceral, but like, that's how, that's how many 
places depict unbelievers or just as like flat two-dimensional images of like, oh, you just don't love God. They just need Jesus. Yes. And it's just, he talks about them as real complex people. They're not even a them, you know? Mm -hmm. It's seeing people as truly, you know, other humans made in the image of God, right? And they're not just souls to convert. Um, And he never sees himself as more enlightened or intellectual because he's a Christian. Um, And he's not afraid to address real issues and say, I don't know the answer to your questions there because all too often Christians feel like we have to have all the answers to every question. Like, why does God allow this bad thing to happen in my life? Well, it's because he is not afraid to say, I have no idea. I just know Jesus. Let me talk to you about him. One of the biggest things I realized from reading this book is that most of the time when somebody who doesn't believe asks you to defend your faith, it's not because they want to argue with you. It's because they want you to give them something to believe in. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Amen. Amen. Oh, mic drop. Mm, Except we can't because... That'd be unfortunate. I couldn't do that. We can't break our equipment. No, we can't. Okay. Mm. And speaking of knowing Jesus, he portrayed knowing Jesus as this true relationship. Like I knew Jesus in a very intellectual way. Sure. Um, growing up, there was just this very heavy, and I, it was good in some aspects, but this very heavy emphasis on theology and head knowledge. And faith was much more of an intellectual exercise and emotions just did not factor in very much, mm-hmm. if at all, because the phrase that kept being used was the heart is deceitful above all things. I was reading for the first time about someone who truly wanted his heart to be engaged as well as his head and believed that Jesus wanted that as well. Jesus truly does love me and he truly engages with me and he hears me and he sends angels to minister to me. And he's not just a philosophical idea, but he's a real, a person. He's a real God. And he, his love really deeply does permanently change people in real space time. Uh, And it's not just a series of ideas to debate. Mm-hmm. which in especially some traditions of the church it is very which is the, the kind of tradition that i came from it is i think faith gets reduced accidentally a lot to that kind of thing of the heart is so deceitful that we don't realize that god created emotions anyway you know yeah so people think that they have to completely disregard their humanity in order to be in relation to be closer to God. And that's just not true. Um, one of my favorite reviews about this book says it's irrational feelings based approach to Christianity, which is consistent with postmodern thought, which I think was really savage, because I really had been struggling for years to reconcile my humanity with my Christianity. Because I remember, and this is not a dig to my peeps who love John Piper, but I remember hearing a talk, a sermon, I'm not sure. Uh, No, it was an interview. Someone asked him a really tough question about the Israelites killing hundreds and hundreds of people in the Old Testament under King David's reign. And John Piper was just stoic and said, "Um, it's God's will to do that. And therefore I cannot like question God's will. And it was just this really crappy answer and I remember that was a pivotal point in my faith where I was just like well why why do these crappy things happen and this isn't okay and I don't can like we it. see some more brokenness and confusion because yeah. we're humans and we don't have all the answers yeah. and the bible does not provide us no. all the answers as much as people want to think that the bible is basic instructions before leaving earth that uh acronym <laughs> um it's not and 
Donald Miller, the author of Flu Like Jazz, really touches that in so many different ways in his book and about like having so much confusion and growing up in a strict Texan home where, you know, you didn't ask certain questions and things you just believed in. And I remember really identifying with that. And that really impacted me, uh, especially when he used, he's really good about using personal examples mm. in his life, um, especially I think in his college years, he talks about growing up during the 9-11 aftermath in college and how a lot of um, his friends were very political and how he reconciled faith and politics and whatnot. And that's, I feel like 20 years later, that's where I'm at with still with faith and politics. So what you said, it's very, very timeless. He takes things from the Bible and I think very helpfully points out because I do want to be clear, we're not saying that like, oh, the Bible isn't helpful. It is the true revealed word of God. Mm -hmm. It is inspired. It is, you know, it is God's pure word. Um, but will the Bible talk about specifically American politics and how to deal with them? No, it doesn't. It has, we have a lot of room on how to apply them, on how to apply biblical concepts. And that can be really tough. And a lot of places just do not deal with it, like you were saying. Yeah, they kind of sweep it under the rug and they're like, well, God is, his ways are higher than our ways and you need to deal with it. Yes, because we do have to still live in this world. You know, asking questions that we have before in, before in our episodes, like, well, what if I have a friend who's mentally ill? The Bible does not give an instruction manual from point A to point B on how to deal with someone who is struggling with mental illness. We have to know our scripture so well to be able to handle it well, but that's going to change down. person to person. And sometimes it's just so hard and there, and there isn't necessarily a right way, I may be so bold as to say. You know? Oh, you may be bold. I may, may be get, bold. We may get a, some feedback on that. Not just from the microphone. <laughs> now we're on to the, what I call the but Sarah portion <laughs> of this episode or of the book review episodes. That's so beautiful. Which is where I imagine someone politely sitting across from me with some strong tea, literal tea, uh, and they say, but Sarah... I've heard this thing about this book and this is why I don't know if I should read it or maybe why this is a dangerous thing or maybe why you shouldn't be recommending this. And then I say, oh, that's a lovely point. And then I sip my tea and I say, but here's what I think. Which is da 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 da. So first one, but Sarah, I've heard that this guy doesn't believe in going to church or affir affirming Orthodox Christianity. These are all things that I've heard, by the way. Okay, um, false though. If he has a whole chapter on the importance of community. You can read through, you can open up this book. This is how I know, this This comes from people who have never touched a physical copy of the book. You can open it up. That was the pages flipping. <laughs> Those pages. Um, you, he has a whole chapter on the importance of community and his grasp of the gospel itself is very solid. Uh, will he agree with you on everything? No. And no one book is, so that should not be a prerequisite as to why you should read it or not. If you are reading books that you agree with 110% all the time, First of all, congratulations. I don't know if I've ever found a book like that. Second of all, make sure to mix it up, please. Um, but just because he may disagree with you on something doesn't mean that he's heretical. And it doesn't mean that he's wrong. Yeah, we need to stop being in the habit of the moment somebody disagrees with you, accusing them of heresy and Sir, you know. Yes. There's um, a, I could say a lot on the whole, this is heretical cry because ugh, that, sh that should honestly be its own episode because we use that word 
so often, and I don't think it means what we think it means. I just came up with a great title for that particular episode if it ever happens. So Ooh, we should definitely pursue that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, the assumption that something is heretical, that it doesn't agree with you, is problematic, folks. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. But this particular one is false. He very much does believe in attending a church. And as for affirming Orthodox Christianity, yes, he does. He's not like out here thinking that God is like, I don't know, a goat with three heads or something. I don't know who's thinking that. But anyways, that's just, it's just not the case, folks. <laughs> it's just not the case. Um, biggest, biggest objection I've heard. Sarah, but Sarah, what about the spirituality and the mystical aspect? Oh boy. Is he promoting new age stuff witchcraft what <laughs> she say it with great fear and trembling i don't know i hear the word the terms new age stuff thrown around with great fear by a lot of christians <laughs> these like days postmodernism. Oh, oh my gosh God. and it's like okay it's once again like it's its whole it's its own thing but there's a lot of things that we accuse of being new age that are not new age particularly once again i don't know if everybody's if we're all doing our research as in-depth as we need to be, or another for, episode. Or if we're just reading a couple articles and being like, oh, I'm convinced. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, but once again, to the question, is he promoting explicitly New Age stuff? No, he is not. Or even subliminally. Like, he's not. That's false. There tends to be two kind of extremes that I think various denominations tend to fall into, in my experience, mm-hmm. on hearing the word spirituality and mystical one emphasizes emotion and spirituality to an extreme degree, perhaps even over scripture. There's some denominations and traditions of Christianity that fall into that more, which is like prophesying, feeling God's will. There's this tends to be this obsession with demons and angels and like all of this to an unhealthy degree, by the way, like taking emotion and personal prophecy over scripture. That's one extreme people can fall into. I don't see that as often. What I see more often is emphasizing logic in scripture to such an extent that any emotion, mental illness, whatever, is looked at with suspicion or correlated as being the same thing. Like if you're over-emotional, you must be mentally ill or, you know what I mean? Um, But, you know, not feeling... That was funny. It was actually. Sorry. Audience, please laugh. Um, but once again, if you're not feeling anything and your Christianity doesn't engage your heart, that's also not a good extreme. Again, reconciling your humanity with your Christianity. Yes. And let's remember that there is, Christianity is very spiritual. Like God saved your soul that you've never seen and touched and that you believe exists. Damn. pretty spiritual. And we don't like the word mystical either, but like mystical means at its core mysterious you can't tell me that the Trinity is not a mysterious thing. Uh, and God is spirit. That is, and about to get real spicy, but it's true here. God's a spirit who is neither male nor female, technically, in a way that we would understand it. And that is so mind-boggling. And in the, in the, in the, at its very core, I can't wrap my mind around no, that. Many people it's not can't. intended and to be. And it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. And it's intended to remain a mystery. There's this... Once again, I think there's a group, and I know because I came from this kind of group, uh, that says, uh, you know, we try, we very much ignore the mystical and spiritual aspects of Christianity because we're so terrified of, quote, falling into this new age stuff that we neglect to realize that there is a whole spiritual side of the world 
And, you know, God himself talks about this, this spiritual world of, of demons and like the powers of darkness. We can't believe that's real in one breath and then get our hackles raised because we talked about mysticism in terms of Christianity. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, no, you should not be reading tarot cards as a Christian. Those are not going to be doing anything for you. But salvation is a mysterious work. Mm -hmm. Do you know how God specifically changed your heart and with his Holy Spirit? I don't. Uh, we don't know how souls work or what they look like, but we all believe in them. What about heaven and hell? <laughs> Very mysterious and spiritual. Angels and demons exist and interact with us. Like, if you love the screw tape letters, but don't want to read this book because of the spiritual or mystical aspects... You've, confl you've conflated something, in my opinion. That's where I'm coming from on this. No, Don't no. be afraid of the, those words. What do you think? What do you think? No, I think I think you just hit the, what's it, the expression, nail on the head mm. with that. Because I was just about to mention the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, which when it came out was, he, um, I own a copy and um, the foreword is him explaining the climate of which his book was released. And it was not very welcoming mm -hmm. and not a lot of people read it at first so it was only decades later i believe i could be wrong that it gained popularity but decade 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 and a half maybe 15 14 like math yeah anyway but he talked about the premise of that book which might get a different review but it talks mainly about the relationship of demons with each other and then it gets quote the false god which is god jesus and their relationship with humans and trying to ruin their salvation, basically. And that in and of itself, like you said, is very mysterious, mm. very mystical, very spiritual. And so it's so interesting to me that that is looked upon as good and great, but not this book. <laughs> We're just so terrified of like, we don't want to be mixing new age. And I appreciate that. Of course, you don't want aspects of falsehood to fall in with the truth. But realize that the truth of what you believe is also crazy and mysterious. And there's a lot of like mysterious and incomprehensible aspects of being a Christian. And we have to lean into that, right? Like we have to lean into that. Uh, I think he uses the word wonder to describe it. About wonder, he writes a quote, At the end of the day, when I'm lying in bed and I know the chances of any of our theology being exactly right or a million to one, I need to know that God has things figured out, that if my math is wrong, we're still going to be okay. And wonder is that feeling we get when we let go of our silly answers, our mapped out rules that we want God to follow. I don't think there is any better worship than wonder. And I think that's such a good reminder that we can't quantify God. Uh, we are merely human. We're never going to be able to fully comprehend him. It's important if God were human, like me or like you, he wouldn't be worth worshiping and he wouldn't be God. Um, and there does need, there is a spiritual aspect and there is this mystical aspect, which is different from mysticism. And I think we get the two very confused. Once again, the importance of knowing your definitions and doing your research before you confuse terms cannot be stressed enough. Um, we do, I just really enjoy this book. Oh, basically oh, i just really enjoyed all the ways that his own very human experiences and struggles with god and with christianity and how it's all mixed up together um just 
it blew my mind and it made me feel like I was not alone. And it, oh, I love it so much. And he's really, he's really creative. And like, he's funny in that self-deprecating sort of way. Like he mentions Jesus and then Kanye West in the same sentence, <laughs> which nowadays, you know, with Jesus, you know, that's little, that's oh common. But back in the day when, you know, you just randomly mentioned Kanye West in a book that's supposed to be about uh, Christianity. That's pretty wild. Ahead of his time. A man ahead of his time with the voice of a generation. <laughs> and that brings us to our last, but Sarah. Oh, but Sarah. But Sarah. But Sarah. I don't know if I like all of his theology, Sarah. Ugh. Okay. Good for you for differentiating what you believe and what you don't agree with. That's healthy. We all do that. That shouldn't be a reason why you stop reading something altogether or turn away from something. If you only fill up with things that you agree with, it's not, that's not real critical thinking. Um, that's all I really have to say about that. Uh, it's up to you whether you read this book, obviously. This is not a strong arm, but I do highly recommend, because I was really nervous going into this book that I was going to be reading something that would, quote, poison my mind. But... I instead found a lot of very interesting thoughts mm -hmm. and just stuff that changed my perspective um, and stuff that did not change my perspective, but helped me appreciate God in a deeper, deeper way and have more compassion on others, you know? So to conclude, dun, dun, dun. I highly, strongly recommend this book. And that's it. That's the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just been, it's been such an encouragement and challenge in my own walk. And it reminds me that my own journey to and with Christ is unique, right? God, it's a real relationship and it's going to be different with each of us because we're created differently um, as he intended, you know, and I may not know much at the end of the day, but Jesus can always be relied upon, right? And there's always more to learn from God and getting to know him better as our faith is deepened, the longer we walk is an intimate difficult, wonderful, mysterious, lifelong experience, you know? Definitely. What do you think? What's your recommendation? I think that this book is going to give you a lot of those like zinger quotes that you can totally use and put it as your phone background. <laughs> like, There's just a lot of beautiful quotes in here. Make it your Instagram bio, that sort of thing. <laughs> but it's also... It's about, and I think the majority of our audience, um, according to our stats, are like between the ages of like 23 and like 28, but it's about a young writer, a speaker, a campus ministry leader, and it's about somebody who grew up in the evangelical subculture and about his struggles and um, specific areas in life where he grew and the era of which he grew up in mm -hmm. that even though it's 20 years later, it's still so, like you said earlier, it's just timeless. It really hits on a lot of different topics. Sometimes I've read different reviews, different critical reviews that, um, that didn't agree with everything he said. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. You, Good. Can, you can read something and <gasps> disagree with it and <gasps> still like it basically i just want people to not miss out on the experience of this book because they're scared that he's going to say something that like you know tickles something unpleasant <laughs> oh, no i don't know no. you know what i mean like it's gonna ruffle some feathers or something like it's I just a great to, book yeah i hate to break it to people but there are going to be instances in everyone's life where you're surrounded or you're around something that really tests your faith or really gets you 
thinking really challenges you. And I think in, in this book, there is some challenging things in there. It's just a very human book, you know? Yeah. The human experience with Christianity and with God is not necessarily an ABC straight line mm-hmm. walk. It's difficult. There's death and there's life and there's there's good chapters and there's bad chapters. And our faith looks different and feels different in each one of those chapters, you know? Yeah, it's so good. Do you have any last reflections? Be prepared to laugh. Good, good. (laughs) We're going to laugh together, guys. We're going (laughs) to cry together. Okay, we're going to have some self-deprecating jokes under our our belts. Under our, I don't know, under our sleeve, up our sleeve. Our, in our plate on our oh, plate i, I think look at me with we're getting all of these wrong <laughs> look you're judging me right now okay but don't judge a book by its cover even though the cover is pretty cool we're the gonna, cover is really cool it's blue yeah ooh, it's very on brand it's very on brand we're going to link up um some articles some reviews um and the book in of itself i wish we had a discount code how cool i know that would be cool if you can buy it on amazon for not very expensive it also is probably in plenty plenty of thrift stores yeah tell them we sent you yes i think the best way to end this review is um to end how the book begins uh so i'm going to read you one of my absolute favorite quotes uh reflecting on what it's like as a believer drawing closer to Christ as you grow older and get closer and closer to heaven. I am early in my story, but I believe I will stretch out into eternity. And in heaven, I reflect upon these early days, these days when it seemed like God was down a dirt road walking toward me. Years ago, he was a swinging speck in the distance. Now he is close enough I can hear his singing. Soon, I will see the lines on his face. And there was was light. Thank you.